Section thirty five of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leonard Wilson. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume four section thirty five selected poems by carl michael bellman carl michael bellman seventeen forty to seventeen ninety five by olga flinch carl michael bellman was born in stockholm on the fourth of february seventeen forty his father son of a professor at upsala university held a government office of his mother he wrote that she was fair as day unspeakably good dressed prettily was kind to everybody of a refined nature and had an excellent voice from her he undoubtedly inherited the warm genial heart which beats in every one of his songs his father's house was the rendezvous of many of the noted men of the day among them the poet Dahlen, who was then at the zenith of his popularity. The boy's unusual gifts were early recognized, and everything was done to give him the best instruction, especially after an attack of fever, during which he not only spoke in rhyme, but sang his first improvised songs in a clear, true voice. The tutor who was then chosen taught him, besides the art of making verse, English, French, German, and Italian, and he progressed far enough in these studies to translate several German hymns and religious and philosophic essays, no doubt influenced in this choice of subjects by the religious atmosphere of his home. Moreover, he taught himself to play the zither, and very soon began to pick out his own melodies as an accompaniment to his songs. The instrument he used had been brought home from Italy by his grandfather, became his closest companion throughout life, and is now kept at the Royal Academy of Arts at Stockholm. At eighteen he entered the University of Uppsala, and while there wrote a satirical poem, The Moon, which he submitted to the criticism of Dahlen, who, however, made but a single correction. It was written in the manner of Dahlen, and he continued to be influenced by the latter until his twenty-fifth year. At this time, and within the same year, his father and mother died, and seeking among his friends the social stimulus which his nature craved, he became a frequent guest at the inns in the company of Hallmann and Krexel who were making their mark by their poetic and dramatic writings. It was then that his peculiar talent came to its own. He threw away all foreign influence, and began to sing his songs, born of the impression of the moment, and full of the charm of spontaneity. Some of them he jotted down quickly, most of them he sang to the sound of his zither, often fashioning them to suit well-known melodies, and again creating the melody with the words 
for the greater part set in a form of verse not previously used and so inseparably linked are words and melody that it has not occurred to any one to set any other music to Bellman's songs than what he originally chose he took all his characters out of the life he saw around him and with the appreciation of the man to whom the present is everything he seized the charm of the fleeting moment and expressed it with such simplicity and truth and deep feeling withal that it stands forth immortally fresh and young a number of these songs have probably been lost he had no thirst for fame and took no pains to circulate them but they found their way to the public in written copies and cheap prints and his name was soon known throughout the country this way of living and singing like the birds of the air was however not very conducive to the satisfaction of material wants he had made two attempts to go into business but the more he was seen at the ends the less he was seen at his business fortunately for him gustavus the third who was himself a poet became at this time king of sweden he was an adherent of the french school of poetry and Bellman's muse could hardly be said to belong to this but with considerable talent as a dramatic writer gustavus appreciated the dramatic quality in Bellman's songs and when Bellman sent him a rhymed petition still kept in which he wrote that if his majesty would not most graciously give him an office he would most obediently be obliged to starve to death before christmas the king made him secretary of the lottery with the title of court secretary and a yearly income of three thousand dollars Belmont promptly gave half of this to an assistant who did the work and continued his troubadour life on the other half with a superb disdain of future needs his affairs so well in order he could afford to get married and chose for his wife lovisa Gurenland, a girl of a bright intellect and strong character of which she ultimately had great need the responsibilities of their married life being left altogether to her Bellman was now at his best about this time he wrote most of fredman's songs and actions concerning the chapter of bacchus order both rich in lyric gems he was the favorite companion of the king to whom his devotion was boundless and he was happy in his chosen friends whose company inspired him nevertheless he was now as ever in need of money atterbaum tells that one day the king met him on the street so poorly dressed that he instinctively exclaimed my dear Bellman, how poorly you are clad the poet answered with a bow i can nevertheless most obediently assure your majesty that i am wearing my entire wardrobe his ready wit never left him how goes the world with you asked the king once when they met you don't look to me as if you could turn a single rhyme to-day the poet bowed and replied on the spur of the moment no scrip my purse doth hold my lyre's unstrung alas 
but yet upon my glass stands gustaf's name in gold another time the king sent his men for him with the order to bring him in whatever condition they found him he was found not entirely free from drink and not very presentable but was nevertheless carried off zither and all to haga castle where he drank some champagne sang some songs drank a little more and finally fell asleep the king left him so to go to his supper and when he returned and found his guest still sleeping he remarked i wonder what belmont would say if i awoke him now and asked him to give me a song the poet sat up blinked with his eyes and said then belmont would say listen whereupon he sang to the tune of malbrook oh so heavily heavily trailing the clouds over haga are sailing and the stars their bright glances are veiling while woods in the gloom disappear go king thy rest is dear go king thy respite taking rest softly rest softly then waking when dawn through the darkness is breaking thy people with mild rule thou cheer then he fell into his former position again and was carried home asleep with a little gift in his hand the task of collecting preserving and publishing his works fell entirely upon his friends if it had depended on him they would probably never have been collected much less published during the last fifteen years of his life from seventeen eighty to seventeen ninety five his health grew very poor in seventeen ninety one he was invited to be present at the distribution of degrees at upsala and at the dinner he returned a toast with a song born of the moment but his voice had grown so weak from lung trouble that only those nearest to him could hear him to add to his sufferings he had to meet the great sorrow of his king's death at the hand of a murderer and his poem on the death and memory of the king was not of a nature to make friends for him at the new court thus it happened that poor and broken in health he was put into the debtor's prison in the very castle where he had been so happy a guest hallman and krexel and others of his best friends as devoted to him as ever were unable to obtain his release but he was at last bailed out by some one who as recompense asked him to sing one of his jolly songs and in his poor broken voice he sang drink out thy glass see death awaits thee atterbaum remarks about the man in question and maybe he did not find that song so jolly after all while in prison he sent in a petition to the king somewhat different from his first petition to gustavus the third in which he asked permission to live in the castle until his death the following is one of the verses spring commands the birds are singing bees are swarming fishes play now and then the zephyrs stray breath of life the poet bringing lift my load of sorrow clinging spare me one small nook i pray 
of his death atterbaum writes as follows he had been the favorite of the nation and the king content with the mere necessities of life free from every care not even desiring the immortality of fame moderate in everything except in enthusiasm he had enjoyed to the full what he wanted friendship wine and music now he lived to see the shadows fall over his life and genius feeling that his last hour was not far off he sent word to his nearest friends that a meeting with them as in old times would be dear to him he came to meet them almost a shadow but with his old friendly smile even in the toasts he took part however moderately and then he announced that he would let them hear belmont once more the spirit of song took possession of him more powerfully than ever and all the rays of his dying imagination were centred in an improvised good-bye song throughout an entire night under continual inspiration he sang his happy life his mild king's glory his gratitude to providence who let him be born among a noble people in this beautiful northern country finally he gave his grateful good-bye to every one present in a separate strophe and melody expressing the peculiar individuality of the one addressed and his relation to the poet his friends begged him with tears to stop and spare his already much weakened lungs but he replied let us die as we have lived in music emptied his last glass of champagne and began at dawn the last verse of his song after this he sang no more a few days later he went to bed lingered for ten weeks and died on the eleventh of february seventeen ninety five aged fifty four years he was buried in clara cemetery belmont's critics have given themselves much trouble about his personal character some have thought him little better than a coarse drunkard others again have made him out a cynic who sneered at the life he depicted again others have laid the weight on the note found in drink out thy glass and have seen only the underlying sad pathos of his songs his contemporaries agree that he was a man of great consideration for form and assert that if there are coarse passages in his songs it is because they only could express what he depicted all coarseness was foreign to his nature he was reserved and somewhat shy and only in the company of his chosen few did he open his heart his critics have moreover assiduously sought the moral of his works if any was intended it may have been that of fighting sentimentality and all false feeling but it seems more in accordance with his entire life that he sang out of the fullness of his heart as a bird sings simply because it must sing olga flinch to ula ula mein ula 
tell me may i hand thee reddest of strawberries in milk or wine or from the pond a lively fish command me or from the well a bowl of water fine doors are blown open the wind gets the blaming perfumes exhale from flower and tree clouds fleck the sky and the sun rises flaming as you see isn't it heavenly the fish market so heavenly oh heavenly see the stately trees there standing row on row fresh green leaves show and that pretty bay sparkling there ah yes and seen where sunbeams play the meadows loveliness are they not heavenly those bright fields confess heavenly heavenly skull and good noon fair one in window leaning hark how the city bells their peals prolong see how the dust the verdant turf is screening where the calashes and the wagons throng hand from the window he's drowsy the speaker in my saddle i nod cousin mine primo a crust and secundo a beaker hochlander wine isn't it heavenly the fish market so heavenly oh heavenly see the stately trees there standing row on row fresh green leaves show and that pretty bay sparkling there ah yes and seen where sunbeams play the meadows loveliness are they not heavenly those bright fields confess heavenly heavenly look ulla dear to the stable they're taking whinnying prancing my good steed i see still in his stall door he lifts his head making efforts to look up to thee just to thee nature itself into flames will be bursting keep those bright eyes in control clang at your casement my heart too is thirsting clang your skull isn't it heavenly the fish market so heavenly oh heavenly see the stately trees there standing row on row fresh green leaves show and that pretty bay sparkling there ah yes and seen where sunbeams play the meadows loveliness are they not heavenly those bright fields confess heavenly heavenly cradle song for my son carl little carl sleep soft and sweet thou'lt soon enough be waking soon enough ill days thou'lt meet their bitterness partaking earth's an isle with grief o'ercast breathe our best death comes at last we but dust forsaking once where flowed a peaceful brook through a rye-field stubble stood a little boy to look at himself his double sweet the picture was to see all at once it ceased to be vanished 
like a bubble and thus it is with life my pet and thus the years go flying live we wisely gaily yet there's no escape from dying little karl on this must muse when the blossoms bright he views on spring's bosom lying slumber little friend so we joy thy joy is bringing clipped from paper thou shalt see a sleigh and horses springing then a house of cards so tall we will build and see it fall and little songs be singing amaryllis up amaryllis darling awaken through the still bracken soft airs swell iris all dightly vestured so brightly coloureth lightly wood and dell amaryllis thy sweet name pronouncing thee and neptune's cool embrace announcing slumbers god the while his sway renouncing o'er your eyes sighs and speech yields his spell now comes the fishing the net we fasten this minute hasten follow me don your skirt and jacket and veil or you'll lack it pike and trout wait a racket sails flap free waken amaryllis darling waken let me not by thy smile be forsaken then by dolphins and fair sirens overtaken in our gay boat will sport in company come now your rods lines and nets with you taking the day is breaking hasten thee nigh sweet little treasure think ill in no measure for thee twere no pleasure me to deny let us to the little shallows wander or beside the inlet over yonder where the pledge not made our fond love fonder or which thyrsus erst was moved to sigh step in the boat then both of us singing love his wand swinging over our fate eol is moving but though wild proving in your arms loving comfort doth wait blessed on angry waves of ocean riding by thee clasped vain twere this dear thought hiding death shall find me in thy pathway biding sirens sing ye and my voice imitate art and politics good servant molberg what's happened to thee whom without coat and hatless i see bloody thy mouth and thou art lacking a tooth where have you been brother tell me the truth at rostock good sir did the trouble occur over me and my harp an argument sharp arose touching my playing pling plingly plang and a bow-legged cobbler coming along struck me in the mouth pling plingly plang i sat there and played no carouse could one see the polish queen's polka g major the key 
the best kind of people were gathered around and each drank his shopping down to the ground i don't know just how began freshly the row but some one from my head knocked my hat and thus said what is poland to thee pling plingily plang play us no polka another one sang now silent be pling plingily plang here by Messinus, what still came to pass as i sat there in quiet enjoying my glass on poland's condition the silence i broke know ye good people aloud thus i spoke that all the monarchs i on this earth do defy my harp to prevent from giving song vent throughout all this land pling plingily plang did only a single string to it hang i'd play a polka pling plingily plang there sat in the corner a sergeant old two notaries and a dragoon bold who cried down with him the cobbler is right poland earns the means of her evil might from behind the stove came an old squint-eyed dame and flung at the harp a glass broken and sharp but the cobbler pling plangily plang made a terrible hole in my neck that long there hast thou the story pling plingily plang o righteous world now i ask of thee if i suffer not wrongly why certainly was i not innocent bless you most sure the harp rent asunder my nose torn and sore twas hard treatment i trow now no better i know than to go through the land with my harp in my hand play for bacchus and venus clang clang with masters best that e'er played or sang attend me apollo pling plingily plang drink out thy glass drink out thy glass see on thy threshold nightly staying his sword stands death awaiting thee be not alarmed the grave door opened slightly closes again a full year it may be ere thou art dragged poor sufferer to the grave pick the octave tune up the strings sing of life with glee golden's the hue thy dull wan cheeks are showing shrunken's thy chest and flat each shoulder-blade give me thy hand each dark vein larger growing is to my touch as if in water laid damp are these hands stiff are these veins becoming pick now and strumming empty thy bottle sing drink unafraid scold then my boy old bacchus sends last greeting friar's farewell receive thou o'er thy bowl fast in her praise thy thin blood flows repeating its old time force as it was wont to roll sing read forget nay think and weep while thinking art thou for drinking another bottle thou art dead no skull 
End of section 35, the recording by Leonard Wilson of Springfield, Ohio.